chapter one of thomas hobbs by alfred edward taylor this librivox recording is in the public domain life the long life of thomas hobbs covers almost the whole of the most critical period alike in the growth of modern science and in the development of the british constitution born in the year of the armada hobbs did not die until nine years before the great revolution which finally determined the question whether the british islands should be ruled constitutionally or absolutely he lived through the stuart attempt to convert england into an absolute monarchy the puritan revolution and great civil war the political and ecclesiastical experiments of the long parliament and of cromwell the restoration of the exiled line and the beginnings of modern whiggism and nonconformity still more remarkable were the changes which came over the face of science during the same period when hobbes entered the university as a lad the sham aristotelianism of the middle ages was still officially taught in its lecture-rooms before he died mechanical science had been placed on a secure footing by kepler galileo and descartes the foundations of the scientific study of physiology and magnetism had been laid by harvey and gilbert the royal society for experimental research into nature had been incorporated for more than a generation analytical geometry had been created by descartes and the calculus by leibniz and newton while it was only eight years after his death that the final exposition of the new mechanical conception of the universe was given by newton's principia it is only natural that a philosopher who was also a keen observer of men and affairs living through such a period of crisis should have made the most daring of all attempts to base the whole of knowledge on the principles of mechanical materialism and should also have become the creator of a purely naturalistic theory of ethics and sociology thomas hobbes the second son of the vicar of westport now included in the town of malmesbury in wiltshire was prematurely born on good friday april five fifteen eighty eight his own theory was that both his premature birth and his constitutional timidity were consequences of his mother's alarm at the impending approach of the great armada the father one of the ignorant sir johns of elizabeth's time fell into trouble by assaulting a rival cleric at the church door and was obliged to go into hiding but the boy's education was cared for by a maternal uncle who was a flourishing glover and alderman of malmesbury after a period of preliminary schooling at malmesbury in westport where he learned enough of the classical languages to translate euripides medea into latin verse at the age of fourteen the lad was sent to oxford where he was entered at maudlin hall then an important centre of puritanism it was a time of general relaxation of university discipline and the acrimonious attacks made by hobbes in later life on the english universities as haunts of debauchery hotbeds of disloyalty and places where the elements of mathematics and physics were unknown must have been chiefly based on his undergraduate experiences he tells us himself of the contempt he conceived for the traditional scholastic logic and physics expounded by his tutors and of the joy he felt in escaping from their lectures to the bookshops where he could pore over books of travel and maps and follow in imagination the voyages of the great elizabethan buccaneers this rather unprofitable period of university life ended after five years when hobbes graduated bachelor of arts on february five sixteen o seven or eight immediately afterwards he formed what was to prove a lifelong and honourable connection with the rising family of cavendish william cavendish baron hardwick afterwards earl of devonshire second son by her second marriage of the famous bess of hardwick being anxious to find a suitable companion and tutor for his eldest son 
offered the post to hobbes on the recommendation of the then president of magdalen hall by all accounts hobbes's actual services seem to have been those of companion rather than tutor young mr cavendish was a decided spendthrift and it became hobbes's function to assist him in raising frequent loans studies were freely neglected and hobbes himself almost forgot his latin fortunately in sixteen ten the two young men were sent to make the grand tour of the continent and travelled together over a great part of france germany and italy as yet hobbes appears to have been untouched by the new scientific movement though it was only in the preceding year that kepler had published the first two of his famous laws and galileo was at the very height of his glory owing to his recent discovery of the satellites of jupiter the main effect of the journey was to revive hobbes's interest in his neglected literary studies and to send him home with a fixed determination to make himself a thorough scholar the resolve was executed so successfully that hobbes not merely became one of the most vigorous and luminous of english writers but learned to handle latin still the general language of the learned world with rare force and fluency the first fruits of this renewed interest in learning was an english translation of thucydides published in sixteen twenty eight nine for the purpose as hobbes said at the time of educating his readers in the true principles of statesmanship afterwards when his absolutist political theories had been fully developed he wished it to be believed that his real object had been to warn englishmen against the dangers of democracy by showing them how much wiser a single great statesman is than a multitude from hobbes's admirer john aubrey we learn something about the circles in which he was moving at this time of his life foremost among his friends stands francis bacon who loved to converse with him and employed him on the translation of some of the famous essays notably that on the true greatness of kingdoms and estates into latin this connection can be shown to belong to the year sixteen twenty one through six when bacon after his political disgrace was devoting himself entirely to scientific work in his retreat at gorhambury the influence of bacon however has left no trace in hobbes's own matured thought he barely mentions the chancellor in his writings and has no place for baconian induction in his own conception of scientific method bacon's zeal for experiment the redeeming feature in an otherwise chaotic scheme of thought is entirely alien to the essentially deductive and systematic spirit of the hobbian philosophy other friends of this period were ben jonson the reigning literary dictator of london edward herbert baron cherbury the first of the english deists the antagonist against whom locke's attack on innate ideas was afterwards to be directed and the now forgotten scottish poet sir robert ayton in sixteen twenty eight hobbes's ex-pupil died after a two years tenure of the earldom of devonshire leaving the family estates heavily encumbered the necessary retrenchments involved a temporary severance of hobbes's connection with the cavendishes and from sixteen twenty nine to sixteen thirty one he acted as tutor to the son of sir gervase clifton a gentleman of nottinghamshire he accompanied this new pupil on a foreign tour which apparently extended through france and as far as venice it was probably during this period that an incident occurred which was to exercise a lasting and not entirely happy influence on the whole of hobbes's subsequent thought at the age of forty he was for the first time introduced to the works of euclid and at once fell in love with geometry being attracted he says more by the rigorous manner of proof employed than by the matter of the science mathematics we must remember were then only beginning to be seriously studied in england hobbes tells us that in his undergraduate days geometry was still looked upon generally as a form of the black art and it was not until sixteen nineteen that the will of sir henry saville 
warden of merton college established the first professorships of geometry and astronomy at oxford in sixteen thirty one hobbes was recalled from paris by the widow of his late pupil to take charge of the education of her eldest son the third earl of devonshire then a boy of twelve by sixteen thirty four the lad was thought old enough to make the continental tour and hobbes accompanied him on a journey through france and italy from which the pair did not return until sixteen thirty seven this third foreign journey was destined to be the turning point of hobbes's intellectual life all through the journey he was haunted by a single idea the thought of the omnipresence of motion in nature and of the apparent variety of natural objects as a mere effect of diversity of motion in the different parts of body the origin of this absorption in the notion of motion he derives from the following undated incident in a company of learned men among whom he was present a chance reference to sensation provoked the contemptuous question and pray what is sense reflecting long on this chance question hobbes came to the conclusion that if all bodies were at rest or all moved exactly in the same way there would be no means of distinguishing any one thing from any other and therefore no sensation hence not only must the whole of physical nature consist as galileo was already declaring of diversity of motions of homogeneous particles but the same must be true of the inner world of our so-called mental processes they must all be but so many diverse motions in what we now call our nervous system with this conclusion hobbes's path as a philosopher was marked out his task was to be the exhibition of all the facts of the universe and more particularly those of the inner life of motion and will as consequences of the primary laws of motion hence in the preface to the de capore after mentioning as the founders of true physical science copernicus kepler galileo and harvey he adds that the true doctrine of civil society is no older than his own book de Sive. evidence discovered by dr ferdinand turnese has now made it probable that the facts just described belong to a date some years anterior to the journey of sixteen thirty seven but in any case hobbes's third residence abroad marks a definite epoch in his life it is the date at which he first takes his place as a recognized member of the band of european thinkers who were aiming at the systematic reconstruction of science in italy he met the great galileo not yet indeed blind but confined by the inquisition to his villa and a little tarnished in his renown by his insincere recantation almost more important were the connections formed on the return to paris in sixteen thirty seven here hobbes became one of the circle which centred around the famous franciscan friar marin mersenne who performed what in the absence of scientific journals was the indispensable service of furthering the communication of knowledge by bringing learned men together in person or by correspondence mersenne's cell says hobbes was more to him than all the universities we may note that this same year saw the publication of the first work of another of mersenne's constant correspondents his old schoolfellow rene descartes now for years settled in his self-chosen dutch seclusion before the end of sixteen thirty seven hobbes and his pupil were once more in england where the times as we know now began to be singularly troublous the next two years saw the trial of hampden for his refusal to pay ship money the edinburgh revolt against the ill-judged attempt to force episcopacy on scotland the signing of the solemn league and covenant and the scottish invasion of england in virtue of his connection with the devonshire family hobbes was just now much in the society of the more moderate royalist leaders such as falkland and hyde and the result was that early in sixteen forty 
about the time of meeting of the short parliament he put aside his wider philosophical schemes for the composition of a little work in support of his fundamental political conviction that the anti-social tendencies of human nature are too strong and deep-rooted to be held in check by anything short of an absolute authority free from all control such as the english crown might be made if released from all dependence on parliament the work which bore the title the elements of law and contains one of the clearest and fullest of hobbes's expositions of his psychology was not printed but circulated in manuscript ten years later it was published in an imperfect form as two distinct essays of human nature and de corpore politico it was not until eighteen eighty nine that the work was printed in its original shape and with its original title by dr turneys when the long parliament met towards the end of the year and showed its temper by at once proceeding to impeach strafford hobbes's native timorousness got the better of him fancying that the author of the elements of law might be the next victim he promptly escaped to paris not to return for eleven years in after days he oddly represented this excessive alarm as giving him an exceptional claim on royal gratitude his flight brought him back to paris in the very nick of time marsin was busy at descartes's request in procuring criticisms from learned men on the famous meditations then just about to be published one such set of criticisms he obtained from hobbes those which now figure as the third objections but they failed to achieve their purpose descartes was seeking help from the criticisms of persons in sympathy with his general line of thought what he got from hobbes was an attack on his fundamental positions by a thinker of radically different convictions hence he treated the objections very curtly even refusing to admit that they contained a single valid inference nor was he more favourably impressed by hobbes's remarks on the dioptrique published along with the discourse on method sixteen thirty seven which were also communicated to him by mersenne on the other hand hobbes contracted an enduring friendship with another of the lights of mersenne's circle pierre gasson the reviver of epicureanism during sixteen forty one hobbes recast in latin his exposition of his psychological and political doctrines the work was printed in a very limited edition in sixteen forty two under the title de Sibway, and was highly appreciated even by descartes it was reissued five years later from the press of the elzevirs at amsterdam as elementa philosophica de Sibway. hobbes had meanwhile been sixteen forty six appointed mathematical tutor to the prince of wales afterwards charles the second who had just come over from jersey the engagement cannot have lasted beyond sixteen forty eight when the prince withdrew to holland and was possibly ended earlier by a dangerous illness which overtook hobbes in sixteen forty seven in after years he was accustomed to meet doubts as to his religious orthodoxy by an appeal to his acquiescence during this illness in the ministrations of dr cousins afterwards bishop of durham in sixteen fifty one came out an english version of the de Seaway philosophical rudiments concerning government and society during the same year hobbes was busy with the composition of the work by which he is now best known to the general student leviathan or the matter form and power of a commonwealth ecclesiastical and civil which appeared in london at the end of the year the book consists of a restatement of the general philosophical argument for absolutism with the addition of a long and bitter polemic against admitting any independent ecclesiastical authority other than the civil sovereign a specially handsome copy of that manuscript was presented to charles the second now king of scots on his return to paris after the adventurous escape from worcester but the anglican royalists who identified the cause of monarchy with the cause of the english church were naturally incensed at the author's consistent erastianism and anti-clericalism and for a time contrived to keep hobbes from access to the king 
between this and his concern as to the way in which the anti-papal doctrines of leviathan might be received by the french clergy hobbes once more took alarm and made his way back to london at the end of sixteen fifty one sending in his formal submission to the council of state shortly after there was just now amid the general confusion following on the abolition of the old constitution no censorship of the press in england to interfere with his publications thus it came about that the leviathan could be published in london and that so much of the great systematic work on philosophy as was ever completed appeared after all on english soil among hobbes's personal friends of this period we have to note the famous selden and the still more famous harvey with milton the chief man of letters among the anti-royalists he had no relations though it is recorded that milton did not like him but would acknowledge him to be a man of great parts hobbes for his part declared comparing milton's famous defence of the people of england with salamasius's defence of the king they are very good latin both and hardly to be judged which is better and both very ill reasoning hardly to be judged which is worse hobbes was now at last at the age of sixty-four working on the reasoned exposition of his system when completed the scheme was to contain three divisions one of body the presentation of the fundamental principles of the new science of motion and the deduction from them of a doctrine of physics two of man a further deduction from the same principles of human physiology and psychology three of the body politic a deduction of ethics politics and sociology from the results reached in the previous sections thus the final achievement would have been the deduction of social science as a body of corollaries from the principles of mechanics from the first the execution of this plan was delayed by controversies largely provoked by hobbes's own mistakes and the great scheme never reached fulfilment the first section was indeed completed but the second remained a mere fragment and the third is represented only by works like the de Sive and leviathan originally composed as independent treatises the de capore though in the press in sixteen fifty four did not appear until sixteen fifty five the reason of the delay being that during the interval hobbes had discovered flaws in the quadrature of the circle which he fancied himself to have found and of which he had been rather rashly boasting in advance by the time of publication he had further become implicated in the eternal dispute about the freedom of the will and the consequence of his double controversy with the mathematicians and the theologians was that when the de homine at last appeared in sixteen fifty eight it turned out to contain nothing but a few chapters on optics along with a brief sketch of elementary psychology for many years after sixteen fifty five hobbes's career as an author is mainly the history of a series of acrimonious disputes with mathematical and theological opponents the theological disputes go back ultimately to the year sixteen forty six when hobbes had held a verbal discussion with bram hall bishop of londonderry and afterwards archbishop of armagh in which he maintained the determinist view of human action against the armenian and high anglican doctrine of free will both parties had afterwards reduced the substance of their contentions to writing though with an understanding that nothing should be published on either side in sixteen fifty four however an unknown person who had procured a copy of hobbes's manuscript which contains one of the clearest statements ever made of the argument for determinism published it under the title of a discourse concerning liberty and necessity bram hall angered at what he supposed to be the bad faith of hobbes replied in sixteen fifty five by publishing his own original contribution to the controversy hobbes rejoining in the next year with a fresh set of questions concerning liberty necessity and chance the questions were in turn attacked by bram hall in sixteen fifty eight in a work to which was appended a violent attack on leviathan facetiously styled the catching of leviathan the great whale hobbes took no notice of this onslaught beyond drawing up ten years later sixteen sixty eight a refutation of bram hall's imputations of impiety 
which like most of his writings of that time was not published until after his death more damaging for hobbes was his violent quarrel with the oxford mathematicians itself an outgrowth of his attacks on the universities like many other persons who have never quite made themselves at home in geometry hobbes unluckily conceived the notion that he had solved the famous and insoluble problems of the quadrature of the circle and the subdivision of the angle into any given number of equal parts in palliation of his delusion it may be pleaded that neither problem was definitely known in his day to be insoluble by the methods of elementary geometry in fact the insolubility of the more famous of the two that of the quadrature has only been finally demonstrated in our own time by lindemann though a sounder mathematical instinct would no doubt have suggested to hobbes that it probably was not to be solved his fault lay not so much in attempting to grapple with the problem as in the obstinacy with which he refused to recognize the futility of his results even when they had been repeatedly exposed by the first mathematicians of the day a few words must be said as to the history of the quarrel hobbes had in leviathan made a bitter attack on the universities which he regarded as the chief supporters of clerical pretensions and had particularly enlarged on their ignorance of mathematics and natural science he did not know or forgot that the oxford of sixteen fifty one was a very different place from the oxford of half a century earlier the civilian professorships had done much to raise the standard of mathematical and physical knowledge and oxford was already the home of an eager band of scientific workers who were subsequently to form the nucleus of the royal society the resentment of the oxford men of science against hobbes's undeserved strictures had already found expression in the vindiciae academariae sixteen fifty four of seth ward civilian professor of astronomy a rejoinder to an attack on the universities by the rev john webster also honourably known as one of the first writers against the belief in witchcraft ward however took only a minor part in the long and angry controversy which followed on the publication of the de corpore hobbes's principal assailant being ward's associate john wallace civilian professor of geometry the most eminent english mathematician of the generation before newton three months after the issue of the de corpore in sixteen fifty five followed wallace's elentius geometrii hobbianae exposing the fallacies of hobbes's quadrature and proving with the aid of an unbound copy of the work that his solutions such as they were had been repeatedly modified owing to their author's discovery of errors in them after they had been sent to the press in sixteen fifty six there came out an english version of the de corpore made by hobbes's instruction but not from his own hand concerning body sixteen fifty six here the solutions were given as mere aggressions or approximations but as a set-off the book contained an appendix six lessons to the oxford professors decrying the whole of wallace's mathematical work wallace rejoined in three months with a due correction for mr hobbes which in its turn provoked in sixteen fifty seven an abusive reply from hobbes and the inevitable counter-reply from wallace in sixteen sixty hobbes returned to the fray with five latin dialogues examinatio et emendatio mathematicae hodaierna next year he proceeded to bring out a professed solution of the third of the famous ancient problems the duplication of the cube which was as usual duly refuted by wallace in sixteen sixty two hobbes went on to aim a blow at the recently incorporated royal society in which wallace was a prominent figure by attacking boyle's experiments with the air-pump and endeavouring to show that mere experimentation adds nothing to our insight into nature boyle replied with an examine of mr hobbes his dialogus and wallace with the scathing satire on hobbes's mathematics hobbius hotontimorum menis 
hobbs wisely left this exposure unanswered but avenged himself signally upon wallace's incidental political insinuation against him of having favoured cromwell's usurpation by a letter on the reputation loyalty manners and religion of t h in which wallace was reminded of the service he had done to the parliamentarians by deciphering the papers of charles i captured at naseby for some years after this the controversy slumbered but was revived again by hobbes in sixteen sixty six wallace continued to refute hobbes's various mathematical papers as they came out until sixteen seventy two and then allowed the dispute to drop hobbes for his part still kept up the game and even in his latest work de cameron produced when he was over ninety contrived to insert a new demonstration of the equality of a straight line to an arc of a circle meanwhile the restoration had made some change in the philosopher's position he was met and warmly welcomed by charles the second a few days after his return to england encouraged to present himself at court had his portrait painted at the king's expense and received a pension of one hundred pounds which unfortunately was not always regularly paid court favour however could only partly protect the author of leviathan from the animosity of the clergy whom he had handled so roughly in connection with the bill brought into the commons in sixteen sixty six under the influence of the emotions aroused by the plague and the great fire for the suppression of atheism and profanity a committee was appointed to receive informations against atheistical blasphemous and profane books among which leviathan was specified by name the bill fell through in the lords but hobbes who began to fear that he was in personal danger made it as set a show of conformity and took care in reprinting leviathan in latin to add an appendix intended to show that his doctrines did not formally contradict the nicene creed even took the trouble to draw up a dissertation on the state of the english law of heresy to prove that he could not legally be burned from this time on hobbes only retained court protection on condition of abstention from all publications on political and religious topics for the latin edition of his opera omnia which appeared in sixteen sixty eight he had to find a publisher in holland and pepys records in his diary for september third of the same year that a second-hand copy of leviathan which had originally come out at eight shillings costing twenty-four shillings and that the price was still rising as the book could not be reprinted similarly a new treatise of the same date behemoth the history of the civil wars was subscribed by the censor in spite of age and rebuffs hubbs still continued to write on a variety of topics ranging from mathematics to english law and church history and was frequently visited on account of his fame as a scholar and philosopher by foreign admirers of learning who found themselves in england in sixteen sixty nine his clerical enemies found a characteristic method of annoying him daniel scargill a disreputable fellow of corpus christi college cambridge was deprived of his degree and expelled from the university for having publicly maintained theses taken from leviathan scargill was persuaded to make an edifying recantation in which the blame for his loose life was laid on the supposed immoral principles he had imbibed from the books of hobbes who thanks to the censorship was unable to protest against the imputations five years later oxford followed suit dr fell dean of christ church the hero of a well-known uncomplimentary epigram took advantage of his connection with the university press to strike out of the latin version of anthony wood's history and antiquities of oxford all the appreciative epithets which the english original had bestowed on hobbes and to replace them by terms of abuse hobbes was this time permitted by the king to publish a letter of remonstrance but the only effect was to draw from dr fell an outrageous additional note to the book in which hobbes was reviled more coarsely than before meanwhile the old man had for a while amused himself by a return to the literary pursuits of his earlier days in sixteen seventy two he composed a succinct account of his life works in various controversies and latin elegiacs and in sixteen seventy three and the year or two following a complete version of the iliad and odyssey in english rhyme 
a sufficiently arduous task for an old man well on towards his ninetieth year in sixteen seventy five he finally left london residing for a few years of life still left to him alternately at the two derbyshire seats of the devonshire family chatsworth and hardwick his last work de cameron physiologicum was as we have already seen produced in sixteen seventy at the age of ninety at the end of the following year when the family moved as usual from chatsworth to hardwick for the winter hobbs refused to be left behind but the journey proved too much for his strength and a few days after reaching hardwick the old philosopher was struck by paralysis of which he died on december fourth sixteen seventy nine at the age of ninety-one years and eight months the body was laid to rest in a modest grave in the parish church of halt hucknall just outside the park gates hobbes's personal appearance is well known to us from various portraits and from the description of his friend aubrey he was tall erect and strikingly handsome of face though sickly in youth in manhood and later age he was exceptionally healthy and vigorous being able even at seventy-five to enjoy an occasional game of tennis his personal habits were regular and in later age abstemious though according to aubrey he owned to having been drunk about a hundred times in his life a moderate allowance in those days especially as the good gentleman seems to have regarded occasional drunkenness as medicinal there is a report of the existence of a natural daughter for whom he is said to have provided with respect to his character there is little to be objected against except his natural timidity and a certain lack of emotional warmth which did not however prevent him from proving a benefactor to his relatives and a steady and constant friend in spite of his rather cynical theories of human nature he appears to have been reasonably charitable to real distress and it is highly creditable to him as well as to his protectors the family of cavendish that having once resolved on the life of a scholar and thinker he avoided all temptations to desert his modest position for the sake of worldly advantage and that so much care was taken to make that position compatible with his unchecked pursuit of his chosen studies if we look in vain in his life and writings for any traces of deep spirituality and ethical inwardness the same thing may be said of descartes and in fact of most of the eminent thinkers of an exceedingly worldly and unspiritual age it is not often that we find as we do in plato the combination in one person of intense spiritual earnestness with the faculty of cool and keen rationalistic analysis apart from its splendid trust in the competence of the human intellect to discover the truth of things there is not much in hobbes's philosophical scheme to arouse the enthusiasm of the young and ardent and more than a little which is positively repellent but there are few writers whose work is more fruitful of suggestions for the matured and reflective intellect which has grown suspicious of all enthusiasm even of its own and demands before all things calm and impartial reasoned analysis perhaps the best proof of hobbes's real genius is that even his worst errors are so much more instructive than the truths of lesser men End of chapter one